Welcome to the first episode of Youth and Loud for 2017. Youth and Loud gives young people the opportunity to have a voice and to talk about things which are important to them. We listen to people's personal stories and discuss some of the most prevalent issues such as challenges at school, mental health, bullying and more. If you'd like to find out more about the show, you can email us on youthatsinradio.org. On this episode, we listened to a recording that I did of an event called The Truth About Drug Addiction. This event was hosted by Glenn Munzo and Bianca Hawkins, who shared from their own personal experiences what they've learned about overcoming drug addiction. Um, so what my what my talk's actually going to be about? I'm going to talk about my early days, of, yeah, my drug addiction, um, what I went through, um, and just a bit about my story as well. I'm going to hit it from a different angle. Um, you know, for me, I've tried all different sorts of drugs before. I was a drug dealer. Um, for me, the, the hardest thing for me to get off is weed. And I think a lot of people, marijuana, cannabis, I think a lot of people underestimate what that actually does to you. A lot of people come into my program and they say, it's okay, they're off ice, but they're just on weed, so that's okay. And I'm here to tell you that that's absolute bullshit because weed is the hardest thing for me to actually get off. Um, pills, ice, you know, all that sort of stuff wasn't an issue for me. Um, marijuana is what, you know, took, took my life and actually put me in my darker days. Um, so that all, you know, all first started, you know, just, just being a young kid experimenting. Um, you know, just yeah, just just smoking cones and you know, catching up with friends, drinking, just smoking. Then my habit just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, I got involved with the wrong crowd. I started dealing drugs. Um, you know, and when you're obviously put into that lifestyle, put in that surrounding of people, life isn't isn't great. Um, you hang around with people that will steal from you, and um, you know, people that you know at the end of the day that you don't trust, and you're not going to introduce to your mum and dad. Um, you know, you're always, you know, you, you say that they're your friends, but deep down inside, you know that they're actually not, you know, they're not your true friends. You know, even for myself, being a drug dealer, a lot of people, a lot of fake friends, a lot of people hanging around and going to hang out and coming up to my house. And, you know, I was the best friend, but when I got sentenced to one month's jail in the courtroom, it was just my little brother and my friend, one friend. And all the people just hanging around. So when we get caught up in that lifestyle, we think that we've got these so-called friends, um, but when, time, when it's time to crunch or time to change, they're not around. Um, so, you know, my, my, my darker days, I was smoking, smoking marijuana, it, um, it, yeah, it, it was tough, it was something that I, that I defended on. It was a massive addiction for me because I was a type, I'm a all or nothing type of person. Um, so, you know, I would literally be dropping drugs to one person, come in for a smoke, all right, cool, I'll have a little bit, then I go drop off drugs to someone else, and go drop off drugs to someone else, and be smoking all day long. I, I took my, my drug dealing seriously, um, you know, so I was focused, you know, I was making sure that my money was coming in, and I wasn't smoking too much during the day, and then come night time, I was smoking, you know, about a quarter a night, you know, so I was smoking a lot of, a lot of drugs. Um, and you know, a lot of people, I believe anyway, need to hear this side of things as well. But there's people that I used to literally smoke with that have gone into, you know, six grand and, and, and not right up here. And people don't understand exactly what that's doing to you as well. 
Um, and yeah, it did. It got really bad to me where, where I was, you know, I was smoking at home, I was smoking by myself. Um, you know, I was also trapped in the mindset of, you know, I've got work, so I've got to deal my drugs first. Once I've done that, you know, come midnight, then I can smoke. Then I can do my drugs. And I look back on that and you just think, you're a fucking and things like that. Um, and it was to the point where, you know, I'd be smoking with friends and, you know, people would be passing out. And it was an issue, you know, it was a massive, massive issue for me. What um, drugs gave me, it gave me a lot of, a lot of paranoia. Um, I didn't trust anyone around me. Um, being a from drug dealer, I, it was, it was shit. I had a lot of trust issues, I was very angry. Um, you know, I bashed people for 20 bucks before. Um, I've sold drugs to a 13 year old kid before. You know, this is how desperate and how trapped and how dark my days got that it was literally, I didn't give a shit. I had my mum calling me at 3 o'clock in the morning crying and begging me to stop drugs. Um, and I would say, fuck you, Hannah. You know, I was that angry that I was pushing everyone around me. I was fighting with my mum, with my dad, with my brother, and my sister. And then it just got to a point where people knew that I was stuffing up, but they sort of just, you know, it was like that elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, it was like an elephant in the room. You know, they'd find money, they'd find drugs, they'd find scales, they'd find bags, they'd have two phones. Everyone knew what I was doing because I was working and all of a sudden I was driving my car, stuff like that. And I just got really involved and trapped in that cycle. Um, and and, and that, that was mainly because of, because of weed. It gave me a lot of anxiety as well. Um, so I was anxious, um, very anxious around people um, that, you know, it, it, it didn't, didn't ease my mind. My mind was constantly ticking and in my head I thought if I smoke more weed that will calm my mind. Instead it was making me more anxious and it was that vicious cycle. So keep smoking to calm my mind, go to bed, but in reverse it was making me worse. Um, and and it, really took, it really took a lot, a lot from me. Um, if I was still, you know, and, and this is the issue that I believe we have as well in society that, you know, we, we focus, you know, ice is obviously a big problem as well, but I don't think that we should lower our standards and say it's okay that they're just smoking a little bit of queen or, you know, that kind of stuff. Because if it came to country, you smoke a bong in front of your two-year-old son, or your two-year-old niece and nephew, you wouldn't. It's, it's a drug, um, and it, it was something that, that, that took a lot away from me. Um, and that's what, you know, when it came to ice and pills, that was, you know, whatever. But that didn't really, you know, that was easy to do, but then I convinced myself, oh, as long as I'm off that, it's not that bad. I can still go to work and smoke bombs and go do this and smoke bombs and go do this and this bombs, but it all just caught up to me at the end of the day, and my, and my world came crashing down. And every person that's on drugs deep down know that they're not happy in this, they're not supposed to be, you know, it's, you can talk all the bullshit if you want, you can talk, but, you know, you know you're tripping yourself, but you know deep down inside you're not happy. You know, everyone that comes into the program as well, they can put a front on and act like, you know, drugs aren't affecting them, you know, on, on a deeper level, but deep down inside, people are getting affected by the drugs. And we shouldn't settle for that, it's okay as long as they're off the hard drugs, that's okay, because it's not. Um, and I think that's what's really, really important and that's what we need to 
preach and teach people, it's still a drug and it's still messing up chemicals. There's no way in hell that I would have my fiance there as a smoking bomb. There's no way in hell that I would have a gym. There's no way in hell that I'd be running a youth program. I wouldn't even train. I wouldn't get up early. I wouldn't, you know, be doing marathons. I wouldn't be training, you know, doing that sort of stuff because it does, it makes you lazy. It puts you in your head more. You know, you think a lot of weed smokers are at home, they're in a dark room, they're smoking, all that sort of stuff. It's not a good environment to grow. So deep down inside, it is still a drug and it is, it's, it's not going to actually get you anywhere. You need to get off everything. I believe in that. Um, and we need to stop, I guess, saying that it's okay to smoke weed as long as there are fights if you can smoke weed, because that's bullshit. Um, because a lot of issues come up with that. And like I said, there's a lot of people that were smoking just as much, like a lot, and now they're you know, schizophrenic, they've got, they got, they got issues from smoking that much. Um, so, I, yeah, for me anyway, I believe addiction is a mindset. It's really about switching up the mindset, changing the mindset, seeing your worth, um, changing your values as a person. So for in order for me to change anyway, so you know, when I was drug dealing, 112 kilos, I was overweight, I was depressed, I was anxious, I was angry, I didn't trust anyone, it was, it was fuck everyone pretty much. Um, and, you know, I didn't attract people that I have right now. So now in my life, in order for me to change, you know, I, I'm not that, that's not me anymore. You know, if I want to change um, and be the person that, that, I, that I want to be in terms of inspiring people to get off drugs and, and whatever it is, that lifestyle doesn't align with who I need to be right now. So parent supporters, um, we need to be real and not be like, oh, it's okay that they're doing weed as long as they've got a job. That's bullshit. They're still doing drugs and they're still chem putting chemicals in their head and it's not that. We shouldn't settle for that. I think later, sometimes we settle uh, and I think that's where we have issues where we settle and think, okay, it's all right. Or, and I'm not joking, I used to have friends, parents who go, oh, no, no, it's all right. I don't care that they're doing drugs as long as the drugs are in my backyard and I know what's happening. Or, oh, no, I don't care that they're smoking drugs as long as they've got a job. I don't care that they're smoking drugs as long as it's, oh, I don't care that they're smoking weed anymore as long as it's not ice. Yeah, and, and, and we're putting up these, these I guess, the excuses or we're, we're limiting our standards to, you know, our standards just, just keep getting lower and lower and lower and lower. Um, to accommodate that addiction. It needs to be, you, you really need to go on hard and it's, it's, it's unacceptable. It's, it's something that's not, you know, if I said to you, oh yeah, you know, I'm off price, I'm not a drug dealer anymore, but I smoke a bit of hooch on the weekend with my friends. Well, I'll punch a few cones after this. It's, it's not, that is not aligned to what we need to do as well. So the truth is, that is just as bad, I believe, because you're still depending on that. I couldn't socialise without weed, I couldn't go to bed without weed. Um, I went through a massive, massive detox when, when I was coming off weed as well. Um, when I was getting very paranoid, when I was doing my personal training course, and I was like, you know, it's time for me to change. I've got to go cold turkey, um, and I was getting paranoid. And people laughing and joking in the class, and I'd just be like, you know, always like that. You know, when I was coming off, I didn't eat, couldn't eat for two weeks. Um, doctors prescribed me sleeping tablets that just made me even go more weird in the head. Um, I couldn't socialise. It was, it was almost impossible for me to go to bed. Um, 
and, and it was, it was a massive, massive issue and problem for myself as well. And I believe us as a society, um, as supporters or parents, we need to put that standard in straight away because it's unacceptable. And I think that, you know, don't settle. Because once you settle, then you're, once you change the values, so it's like with me, in my program, um, obviously I understand that there's people still getting off drugs and stuff like that, you know, and, and we help them get to that. But if I turned around and said, oh, it's okay, you're not on my, at least you're on weed, that's me dropping the standard. My standards stay high, always, no drugs at all, you know, in, in order to get to where you need to be, to be happy and turn No drugs at all. I mean, I mean that's, that's my true values to that. And I'll help you get to that position that I will not drop my values and be like, oh, cool, at least you're not doing that, and you've, or you've cut down a little bit, that's good. Because to me personally, that's not acceptable. And I think that we all need to raise our standards back up, our, you know, our values back up, because if you think about it, <coughs> you know, parents, and, and I know parents obviously, you know, as long as they're smoking at home, but don't tell anyone else, then you already know that's the issue. If you've got to hide it, that's the issue. You know, people aren't just walking around smoking bombs and stuff like that, and it's not normal. Same with ice, pills, juice, whatever, whatever it is, it's, it's not acceptable, and it is, it's chewing up people inside, it's damaging, it's killing people as well. And it's something that we need to address ASAP. None of this tick-time bullshit, and I'll see how they feel the next day. You need to address it and pull that straight away. There's times where I would have been an absolute asshole to people in my program, but if, if I turned around and said, oh, I'm just going to tiptoe, then I wouldn't be giving them the top, like the value of what I believe in the value of the program as well. So you need to, and I, and I get that it's draining, and it does consume a lot of energy and stuff like that. You need to stick to your standards always. It's, it's like a law. That's, that's how you guys need to be with your standards with everything when it comes to drug addictions with your kids, your family members, or whoever it is that you're supporting. Because it will grab you and it will it, you know, you, you disintegrate. Like I, was, I lost myself a lot. I lost myself a lot. Um, and now that I look back on that, I don't even recognise that person. Um, that person, I, I, like, I, I would never even talk to my mum like that now. You know, fighting with my dad, I tell my mum to get fucked and I'm dealing drugs and actually literally didn't give a shit and hang up. You know, I'll, I'll never talk to my friends like that. So when you're angry, hurt people, hurt people. So we need to work internally and, and get them changing their mindset as well. And making them see their self-worth and letting them know that everyone deserves a second chance or whatever you want to call it, but everyone deserves that chance and that self-worth to put yourself first. Because if you don't put yourself first, no one else is going to do that for you. So, and, and, and this is also for parents as well, like I say all the time, and you got to, you know, and, and I get it, like it's, it's hard and stuff like that, and these are just patterns that I see, that a parent would be like, I don't give a shit what you're saying, you're coming to a meeting to get better, and, you, and like I just say, it's a program, you're going to come to the meeting, you're going to get better, jump in the car right now, and the kid will listen. The kid will listen all the way up until here, to we're sitting, and having a conversation, and, and, and they're opening up and stuff like that, and then the parent will fall back and say, well, you're 18 now, what would you like to do? That's where we're stopping up. Because anyone on drugs isn't thinking straight. You got them to the, to the meeting, 
it's to follow through with that, that, that next stage. If you went straight through, they would be doing those sort of things as well. Sometimes it's just, it's, it's a cry out for help that they need. And then when you give them that option, you know, 16, 18, 19, 20, I don't even care, they didn't You give them that option, or oh, what do you want to do now that you're old enough? Of course, they're going to back out. Because it's confronting, it's change, it's, it's, it's hard work. But we need to, sometimes you need to give them a big fucking kick up the ass and, and, and push them into that program or into something that's going to help them. And I know sometimes it's not always as easy as that. But if we can always stay firm and again stay with our standards, but don't roll with the standards as the situation has changed or the moods change or whatever, that standard needs to be at an all-time high. So once we follow through with that, that's where we can start seeing change. And that's what's important as well. So my, my teacher, um, Andrew, that I still keep in contact with now, um, that's like a prime example of value. So I was doing personal training courses, 112 kilos, and never took them seriously. It used to piss me off. Never used to take them seriously. Always doing really, really fast. And, 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 and literally used to really play with my mindset a lot. I only understand what was done now. You know, I'd rock up to class at 9.05, and class out at 9 o'clock, and the doors locked. And I'd be like, I just drove all over the park with my way in traffic, and I'm like, and he's like, yeah. So the standards, he never dropped his standards. He never got, oh, no, it's all right. You've, you've come 45 minutes, coming. The standards was, the class starts at 9 o'clock, that's when we start. You want to be a personal trainer, 9 o'clock is late. You'll have clients at 5 o'clock, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There were standards, and I wasn't breaking that. He wasn't budging the shit. That's, that's what we need to do, start putting those rules, those boundaries, and, and, and make them follow that as well. And that's what made me follow. Because for once, for me, making up my own rules, to someone actually putting those rules in, um, definitely changed my mindset, definitely changed my thinking. And with that came a lot of self-worth, because now when I look at it, there's all standards and values that he held for himself or as personal trainers and what they should be as well. And that's such a valuable lesson that I've learned from him um, because it changed my values. So you, you, you look at people that have you know, these certain values, you think of a vegetarian or something like that, you're going to go, Oh, it's alright, you're feeling grumpy today, you have some chicken. <laughs> like, you really, like, you know, even if you're going to look at it from those different angles as well, you're going to have your standards and your values at an all-time high, because I know when you gave birth to your kids, or whatever it is, you, you went like, oh, it's alright, I should smoke a little bit of weed, and a little bit of drugs on the weekend, as long as I've got a job, and they're saying, it's bullshit, you know, deep down inside, that's unacceptable. And that's what we need to pull people up on straight away. Um... And also just showing that they're, they're worth the change. They're like, it's, it's worth it. A lot of people come in, they want to change, they're all for it, you know. They want to change, they want to change, they want to do all this sort of stuff. And then they say, it's going to be too hard, or it's going to be too expensive, or it's too far, or I can't make it, or I've got a job, all these sort of things. If they've cried out for help deep down inside, no one on drugs wants to be where they are right now. They do want the help. Sometimes it's just that push. We have, we have had people in the program change their mind and say, I've got a full-time job now. I'm like, I don't give a shit, so have I. So is everyone else in the gym? Oh no, I can't get there. Why? What's your hours? Five to six, classes at seven, eight. You can come to that. It's just breaking down those barriers and being really, really quick. But 
they need to see their self-worth as well. Their self-worth needs to be up, knowing that they deserve that. Does that make sense? Um, and that is the key. It's really, I believe, anyway, addiction is coming from the mindset and you need to start up here. So not lecturing them, because no one wants to be lectured on drugs. I don't. I, I, I don't. People come to the program, I don't tell them, I, I don't care about it. I do care about the drug habit, I don't care how much you're using or anything like that. Who are you as a person? What do you love doing? What are your values? What, you know, what sets that fire up in here? And then you start from there. So it's not lecturing them about the drugs, it's more about you know, finding out who they are as a person. Because you know, drugs are not discriminate and you know, we get people that come from all different backgrounds. It doesn't matter if your parents are together or they go to good schools or you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, it, it comes from different backgrounds. But what we need to do together is to push that self-worth into people as well and let them see as well. It's all fun and games at the start that it, that it catches up to you. And you know, I used to hear it all the time. You don't want to be like me, whatever, and I'm like, yeah, yeah whatever. Um, but the people that inspire me are the ones that say that and change. You know, I was put into a program in Daniel Corrections, I chose 10 people, they were all in their 40s and 50s, at the time I was 21, and that was like, oh, you don't want to be like us, you don't want to be like us, and I started at 10.30, they were all in the methadone program, um, you know, all literally just dozing off and falling off their seats. And it was all about you don't want to be like us, but there was no action connected to that. So there's going to be action as well, follow through with what you want to do as well. And that's why it's important when we do these talks, even when I wrote my book and stuff like that. So we can talk about drugs and we can feel inspired and motivated, but it doesn't mean shit if we're not doing anything. It's all about action and how we can move forward and, and take those steps. And sometimes you need to be that tough person, sometimes you need to be that, that asshole um, and put your foot down. You know, I, I like literally have to do it and sometimes I hate doing that but I know deep down inside that's what that person is as well. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe that you can overcome any addiction. It's not, it's not something that's going to stop you from achieving the things that you want to do as well. It's not, that's not it. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm a drug addict and I can't do it. I never even associated myself with being a drug addict until I actually did this program. Never even called myself a drug addict until people said, oh, yeah, it's a drug addict brain. Like, what? Yeah, I never associated that, you know, with that. So we're going to drop the labels and stop saying, you know, those sort of things as well. I'm a drug addict, I'm a parent, I'm anxious and all that. We find out who you are as a person, what's in here, and go from there as well. Um, but I think that's the main key to, to overcoming the addiction is changing the mindset and seeing the self-worth. Um, and you know, I guess all the, all the younger people as well that are in, you know, around here tonight, it is important. It's important that you get your shit together soon um, because it does catch up to you as well. Um, you know, and I, I spoke about my, my cousin as well. He was 33 and every Thursday, yeah, yeah, I love what you're doing, I love what you're doing. I'll be in Thursday. I love what you're doing. I'll be in next Thursday. Where were you? Yeah, you know, something came up. I'll be in next Thursday. And the last time I saw him, he was connected to the life support machine. And he had to turn it off. And that was from just, he had chest pains and he got blank to see. But it does actually catch up to you and it's not a game. 
and it's something that's actually going to kill you. And you need to be real and upfront with people that drugs, you will end up going to jail, going to cycle and you'll be dead. Or all three. It will definitely catch up to you and the people that you know that we see coming through the program and stuff like that and even old friends and people that I used to hang around, you know, hang around with, that's exactly where it's, where it's all headed as well. Just had a good friend of mine that you know just got sentenced to seven years jail a couple of weeks ago, a month ago. Um, and that's just being in the house. And then his girlfriend got the exact same charges from being in the house. So you know, you really need to look around like who's around you and are, are they motivating you, are they draining you, what are they doing for you? And and I think even like the older older people that are addicted to drugs, they need to drop their shit and just be real. Because a lot of older people come in and they're just, yeah, yeah, I've tried it now, yeah, yeah, I've done this, yeah, yeah, I've done that, yeah, yeah, I've done that. And they're just more interested in what they've done instead of what they need to do. And then that's where we need to be real with them as well. So we can move forward. Um, does anyone have any questions? Yes. Yeah. Glenn, with your um, awesome program, by the way, really terrific. Um, I heard you speak once before at the uh, Case Youth Network. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. A lot of um, with, with the training, what do you find is, is everybody know that? What is, what is that thing that they get from it? Can you put that into words, what yeah. people, people get from it? Training for myself gives me an outlet. Um, it makes me stronger, builds up my self-esteem. It puts, puts my, it's, it's putting myself at work first. It's giving me a space where I can be fit and healthy and move around. It's exercise, it's movement. You know, we all need to be moving around. And anyone that's ever done an exercise or ever done a boxing class or going for a walk or going for a run, everyone knows how good that feels. Like, oh, I had that time to myself. I felt so good after that. So it's really about giving them that outlet. Um, but the, the, the gym side of the program is really about building them up in here. You know, we have kids come in and they're like, oh, okay, cool, let's do 10 push-ups. And they're like, do you think I could do it? Do you think I could do it? Like, you fucking know, let's do it. And then afterwards, they're like, whoa, I did it. Even something small like that will definitely tweak something up in here that's going to itself work. It's, it's showing them that they did something that they didn't think that they could do as well. But exercise is something that we all need to be doing. I believe it's, it's a massive value for myself and everything that we teach on the program we do as well. So I'm not talking about you know like being a bodybuilder and stuff like that. I'm talking about outlet, running around with your dog, going on the beach for a run, kicking the footy with the boys, shooting some hoops, gym, boxing, weights, whatever that, singing, music lessons, um, yoga, Pilates, whatever that outlet is for you, that time for yourself, that's what's important as well. We all need to be doing hobbies and things that, that strengthen our mind, like that make our mind stronger as well. We need to make that time for ourselves, that's what's important. You do. Yeah, community as well. Environment, that's important as well. Because even for myself, when I did my first um, personal training course, I only hung around with drug dealers. Didn't know anyone else that wasn't doing drugs. And that, that's not, I'm not even bullshitting. Not one person I knew that was not doing drugs. So now I'm surrounded, when I come here, it's, it's alive, it's community, there's music pumping, I'm, I'm having fun, and like this is, this is the space that we've created as well. And that's what it's about. So putting them in an environment, a community, where there's lots of love and appreciation, acceptance, fun, all that sort of stuff. Instead of sitting around in a dark room worrying if you're going to fucking pinch drugs out of your shit when you, when you go to the toilet or you're going to go drop off to someone outside or whatever it is, 
to having people around you that you trust and appreciate and grateful for. So it's like family. Definitely, definitely. The community is very, 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 very important. Uh, we all need to be surrounded with people that are energising us, people that are making us better, people that are pushing us to be the best versions of ourselves. And, you know, and, I, and I highly recommend that everyone has that. You know, the few people like that with you know business, life, training, running, you know, all, all those sort of things, like mentors, people that I look up to that are going to push me out of my boundaries to get the things that I need to get done as well. You know, even like my book, was a fucking nightmare that I, you know, I, I have got a team with me, I've you know, got a coach for that to help me and, and push me to, you know, achieve what I needed to achieve as well. It's really about investing into your self-worth. And investment, I don't mean money, it's wholeheartedly, like, internally, like, investing in yourself. Knowing that you deserve, you know, better and that you can achieve the things that you need to achieve as well. But with, with the exercise, lots of mindset. There's lots of mindset benefits in that as well. And you see that people come in with walls, have their walls up, and they don't want to really talk that much. But once they're running around and stuff like that, we're in there, we're talking. I even see all the people in the and like, hello, had a rough day. And then, what, five minutes, you just got fucking mood swings. <laughs> and then they're, they're, they're running around and they're laughing, and, and this is their spot, this is their spot for them to get strong. Uh, being around fit, healthy people, this is their happy spot. This is where they need to be. And that's for everyone. That's not just people who are addicted to drugs. Everyone needs to have that. with me and I used those tools to get my way back out 
Um, I had great support the whole time. He was always only a message or a phone call or a give it away. Um, I've been clean for almost two years now. I believe so much in this program. I, it, honestly, it saved my life. And I know I relapsed, but everything that I learned, I kept with me. And I believe in the program so much. I'm now a coach. Glenn has inspired me, and I believe that this is the way out. Like this, this, what we teach here is not only how to overcome addiction, but how to build a life so that you're happy, so that you don't need a substance to run to, so that you look forward to every day and you don't need to hide behind a drug and surround yourself with people that you don't know and who don't care about you. Um, we build self-esteem and just create a better future. Um, so I wanted to give a little bit of insight into what my days were like as a user. Uh, I wanted to talk about the early dates, so when I first started taking ice and thought that it wasn't really a problem because I was a functioning addict, as people call it, which I don't think there is. I don't care if you use marijuana once a month, you're a drug addict. Like drugs, that's, that they are an addictive substance and I believe that we, why should we wait for an addiction to become an everyday problem before we start seeking help or giving help? It needs to be addressed when it starts. So I used to go to work, um, I'd come home, I'd, I'd use while I was at work, I would give every excuse under the sun to my work why I had to leave early. I give every excuse under the sun to my family why I wasn't home, to my partner. I give every excuse why I couldn't see him. Looking back, I don't understand. It got to the point where I would go and score and I would come home and I would sit under my dinner cover with my laptop all night, smoking, under the dinner, just in case somebody got up in the middle of the night and saw the light on or something like that. It's four o'clock in the morning and I'm Wigging out on my laptop on a Monday Like, that's not normal behavior. Um, it got to the point where my lies and excuses, I couldn't hide them anymore. I couldn't hide them with my family, my boyfriend, or my work. So I stopped working. I actually, um, the way my mum put it was, I went to work one day and I just didn't come home. She had no idea. She had absolutely no idea that things were this bad. So I went to work, I didn't come home, I ended up on a one-way ticket to Darwin, um, lost, I completely cut contact with my family, with everybody that I knew, wanted to run away from my problems, I thought that my problems were here and that I would be okay if I ran away from them. That's not what happened, the problem was me, the problem wasn't where I was, it was inside me. So, I was in Darwin, it didn't take me long to figure out where I could get what I wanted. Um, it took about three months before, maybe every day weeks, I wasn't working. Um, I'd pay my rent by selling drugs, and within three months of living up there, I was kidnapped. A lady tried to kill me. Um, I was taken to the psych ward, and then I was sent on a plane back to Melbourne. 
Um, when I got back to Melbourne, my mum tried to get me to come talk to Glenn because she had been in contact with him while I was up there. And as soon as I hit back in Melbourne, I just wanted to have contact with all my friends again, you know, friends again. Um, so I hit it pretty hard. And then one day while my walls were down, my mum approached me about the program. And I was like, you know what, like, I've had enough. So I came along and I was like, what the hell? Met Glenn and just his approach, like he, he was he was like me, he got me, he understood he was he wasn't like the other people that were trying to tell me what was wrong with me or what I should be doing or you know, how like how can you be like this to your family and this, that and the other. Like I I know that I wouldn't be a nice person, I know all that. But Glenn treated me like a human being and showed me that I could, like, drug addiction was an illness and he didn't focus on the addiction, he focused on the, what we're going to do to get out of it. You know, I would bring it up and he'd be like, that's fine, but what are we going to do now? What do you want to do later in life? You know, we have these set goals. So my, after I relapsed, after being in the program, my life got pretty bad again. I was um, kidnapped once again down here. Um, I, my best friends died and I wanted to die. I truly thought that I had nobody left in the world. So I started taking juice, hoping to not wake up. Um, I had no contact with my family. I decided that everybody around me, I didn't want anything to do with, I just wanted to take drugs by myself. Um, I was living out of my car, and then a family of somebody that I hardly even knew just brought me into their home and showed me just a little bit of love and it made me realise that, you know, like I am worthy, I can be loved again, and there are people that care um, and my family isn't not all that bad so they got me back in contact with my family um, and I made the decision to change. I haven't looked back once, I didn't detox, I just went straight back to the mindset tools, just went straight back into what we learned in the program, building, like doing my I am's, so I, I'm lovable, I'm happy, I'm beautiful, I'm kind, I'm limitless. I had them written up all around the house. Every time I'd walk past, I'd say them. Um, I have willpower, I have strength, I have determination, I have courage. Walk past them, I'd say them. I'd say them out loud in the mirror and just remind myself that I am worthy of change. That's the big thing, I think, with addiction is we all, we all start using because there's something, there's a void and we don't know what it is because we can't explain it, we can't see it. We just feel, we feel it, but how can you explain feeling? It's pretty hard. So we start using drugs and we cover it up, we cover it up, and then we create all this mess on top of this problem and all these layers of mess that this drug makes us do that the initial problem that we had doesn't even matter anymore. Like, you've created all this mess on top where that initial problem isn't there. You know, it's definitely not the way. Like, we've, we've just got to deal with that shit and that's what we do. It's just 
um, teach how to address our problems and deal with what life throws at us then and there without creating a mask over the top of something that we're going to have to deal with again one day. Like, it's not going away. We're just creating more crap on top of it. That's all we have time for today. My name is Peter, and you've been listening to Youth and Loud. Once again, if you'd like to find out more about the show, you can email us on youth at synradio.org, or you can send us a message via our Facebook page by searching Youth and Loud.